Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Many years ago, I went to the premiere of a film called Still Crazy, starring, not that it matters, Bill Nye, Timothy Spall and Billy Connolly. I was asked afterwards whether it was any good, and I replied that I didn't know. I was having such a good time, I forgot to check. The fact is that the film, about a 70s band getting back together for one last tour, couldn't have been more aimed at me if it had been gift-wrapped with a card reading, Happy Birthday. One, two. (laughs) Hello, Wembley. God, it's Night of the Living Dead too. Well, maybe we should agree what key it's in there. B flat. C. No matter how hard you may try to keep your prejudices at bay, they're always lurking in the back of your mind when you step into a cinema. There's a lot of talk about unconscious bias getting in the way of a useful appraisal of a movie. But the conscious biases are just as bad. I need some cash. You must have very strong forearms. Is it hard squeezing it like that? It's part of the job, miss. I'd like to know what the hell is going on here. 20 million readers want the truth, Eddie. Truth, yes. Mm. Eddie. I'm usually a sucker for a behind-the-scenes look at showbiz, like the Coen brothers' Hail Caesar. Objectively, you could say it had very little actual plot, just a lot of amusing bits and twists on some famous Hollywood stories. But I happen to like amusing bits, and showbiz gossip is right up my alley, particularly if it's tied to another of my enthusiasms, Shakespearean England. I know your face. Are you an actor? Yes. Yes, I think I've seen you in something. That one about a king. Really? I that Christopher Marlowe, my boat one. Shakespeare in Love was everything I love, and I probably would have enjoyed it even if it hadn't been as good as it was. But for every positive bias, there's an equal and opposite negative one, like my irrational phobia for any film about Santa Claus. It's not real. Well, it was real. I got sick and all the hair fell out. How'd you get sick? I loved a woman that wasn't clean. Mrs. Santa? No, it was her sister. Oh, no. All right, I make an exception for the enjoyably sarcastic bad Santa. But generally, anything with red suits, elves, named reindeer, naughty lists, and the triple threat ho, ho, ho is generally on my don't bother list. Which is why my heart sank at a film this week that featured not only a gun-toting fat man, but the fading charms of Mel Gibson in the title role. You have fun shooting the trash. Yes, ma'am. I'll make cookies. Mel Gibson has been on most critics' naughty list for years, partly because of some pretty objectionable opinions and a lack of filter expressing them, and partly because of some pretty patchy movies recently. But it can't be denied he's also made some good ones and a few brave choices over the years, far more than, say, the popular Liam Neeson. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. 
But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. For all the fact that Liam Neeson is well-liked and well-respected, he's not exactly known for his dazzling range. Whether he's playing Oscar Schindler or Rob Roy, Aslan or Zeus, it's generally always Liam. He certainly is in this week's Made in Italy. But first, a film about the making of one of Hollywood's most famous movies. Did I like Mank? Of course I did. It was made for me. This is Herman Mankiewicz, but where to call him Mank? Mankiewicz. Herman Mankiewicz, New York playwright and drama critic, turned humble screenwriter, Mr. Hearst. This is a business where the buyer gets nothing for his money but a memory. What he bought still belongs to the man who sold it. That's the real magic of the movies. There are inside stories and inside stories, and David Fincher's new film is the making-of account of one of Hollywood's most famous inside stories. Even when Citizen Kane was being made, everyone in Hollywood was asking everyone else in Hollywood, who's it about? Who are all these fascinating characters? How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Orson Welles. I'm speaking for the Mercury Theatre, and what follows is supposed to advertise our first motion picture. Citizen Kane is the title, and we hope it can correctly be called a coming attraction. The most fascinating character, of course, is the man making Citizen Kane, or American as it was initially called. In 1940, Orson Welles was probably the most famous man in the United States, the celebrity boy genius who'd scared the pants off the nation with his radio broadcast War of the Worlds, and had secured the best deal ever from RKO Studios. Mank, it's Orson Welles. Of course it is. I think it's time we talk. What is it the writer says? Tell the story you know. Wells was given unprecedented carte blanche to make anything he liked, no interference from the studio and total freedom to hire who he wanted. And he decided he wanted the man who everyone agreed was the best writer in Hollywood and the worst bet to hire. Herman Mankiewicz was a drunk, a loose cannon and impossible to work with. Hello, everyone. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankiewicz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank. 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 So Wells hired him, told him to write whatever he wanted, and then locked him away from all his friends and distracting influences. And Mankiewicz, Mank to friends and foes alike, decided he was going to aim as high as possible. He was going to target William Randolph Hearst. I hear you're hunting dangerous game. God bless. William Randolph Hearst. Ready and willing to hunt the great white whale? Just call me Ahab. Do come in. At this rate, you will never finish. You said 90 days. Well said 60. I'm doing the best I can. Because Wells and Mankiewicz were not the only towering giants of that era. Just as big and far richer and more influential was media mogul Hearst. Think Fox News with less competition. Hearst's best buddy was the world's most powerful studio boss, Louis B. Mayer, who produced a string of movies starring Hearst's girlfriend, Marion Davis. Him, I get. But what did Marion ever do to deserve it's this? It's not her. Not all characters are headliners. Some are secondary. You pick a fight with Willie. You are finished. 
Incidentally, Mayer had his own boy wonder, Irving Fulberg, who was responsible for MGM's incredible run of hits. And listed through the movie Mank are the luminaries of Hollywood's famous golden age, Gable and Garbo, Crawford and Chaplin, and the greatest writers money could buy, George Kaufman, S.J. Perelman, Ben Hecht, and above all, Herman Mankiewicz. Thunder, light, blood, fire, religion. Help! Someone save me! All in one film. That's director proof. That's why I always want Mank around. I grew up with these names and also the account of the making of Citizen Kane. Who really created it? After years of being voted the greatest movie Hollywood ever made, opinion was split between Team Orson, the director, and Team Mank, the screenwriter. And clearly, director David Fincher was brought up as Team Mank. His father, Jack Fincher, actually wrote this script before he died about 17 years ago. Don't flatulate. You're not writing an opera. But I am writing an opera. (laughs) Herman Mankiewicz. Mank. Mr. Mankiewicz. If you're remotely interested in the subject, Mank is stunning. Gary Oldman in the title role has never been better, but there are dazzling performances from everyone, particularly Englishman Charles Dance as none more American William Randolph Hearst. Amanda Seyfried, too, shines as the much-maligned Marion Davis, permanently fixed in the public's mind after Citizen Kane as a talentless gold digger, but far more interesting than that. Wealth and influence can crush a man. Are you hoping I might absolve you of such a personal betrayal? You made yourself court jester. Nobody but nobody makes a monkey out of William Randolph and playing Manx's long-suffering wife, Sarah, universally known as Poor Sarah, is another of my current enthusiasms, the wonderfully named Tuppence Middleton. Like Marion Davis, Tuppence tends to be condescended to, but she doesn't need it. She's great in this. I have put up with your suicidal drinking, your compulsive gambling, your silly platonic affairs. You owe me, Herman. Who do you think you are? Mank was mostly shot in California, but there are as many English actors as Hollywood ones on display. Not just Goldman, but Tom Burke, who's pitch perfect as Orson Welles. Mayor can't save you. Nobody can. Especially the boy genius from New York. I removed any distraction, eliminated every excuse. Your family, your cronies, liquor. I gave you a second chance. And the look is of a Hollywood that hasn't existed since the 40s. David Fincher's experience in digital effects, he used to work at Industrial Light and Magic, has never been better used than it is here. Throughout, there are brilliant quotes, visual, script, performances from Citizen Kane itself. You're nothing but a court jester. What I want to know is what you think of it. It's a bit of a jumble, the collection of fragments that leap around in time like Mexican jumping beans. Welcome to my mind, old sock. It's the sort of film that snobby critics think of when they say they don't make movies like this anymore. But that was before Netflix and its endlessly deep pockets. Netflix, like Hurst and Mayer in the Golden Age, currently has so much money it can afford to let directors like Fincher spend millions on passion projects like Mank. Mind you, the test will be if they ever pay a boy genius to make a movie about Netflix. You cannot capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope is to leave the impression of one. <laughs> Why Hurst? Outside his own blonde Betty Boop, you're always his favourite dinner partner. Are you familiar with the parable of the organ grinder's monkey? 
Passion projects are a mixed blessing. It's nice to know a film has been launched with enthusiasm and it's the story that its creator wanted to tell. But that's no guarantee anyone else wants to see it. Made in Italy's major appeal seems to have been the chance for Liam Neeson to work with his son Michael Richardson. The way the light hits those windows takes your breath away. No, that's the dust doing that. Michael's mother was the late Natasha Richardson, and the parallels with father and son Robert and Jack in Made in Italy are a bit close for comfort. Jack's trying to raise the money to buy a London art gallery. That means selling the house in Tuscany he co-owns with his father Robert, inherited when his beloved mother died 20 years ago. I don't hear from you for months. And then this sudden need to sell the Tuscan house by last Tuesday. The house has been empty for 20 years. We just cheer the place up a bit and get it sold. Dad is an artist who's let his talent go to pot recently, but he agrees to go with his son to fix up the house neither have looked at since Mum died. They hire real estate agent Kate to help with the sale. Blonde, feisty, age-appropriate for Robert and played by the always-appealing Lindsay Duncan. We'll mark the view as a ten, but the potholes down that drive are a serious drawback. I may have whiplash. Things can only get better. Front door. Ah. Cue various amusing answers to the question, how much of a tip has the house in Tuscany become? Let me first answer that question with the words, there's a weasel trapped in the bathroom. I wouldn't go in the bathroom if I were you. There's a large weasel in the sink. That's not a euphemism. OK, what's the plan? Weasel. Very, but, but all, it's like it's a rat boat, like... Good teeth. The size of a baguette, like a rat baguette. Kate brings in some Tuscan workmen to help out, and to nobody's surprise, they achieve miracles in a very short time. But while they can remove weasels, fix front doors and clear gardens, can three Italians with no speaking lines fix the relationship between father and son? Tuscany is a romantic idyll. It's why all my clients come here. You have delivered me a building site whose walls seem to have been painted by Mussolini. No, that's going to take far longer, about the length of a movie, in fact. There'll be mix-ups, misunderstandings, trips down memory lane and fiery arguments about who loved the late mum most before anything gets resolved. We'll live by one of the two. I don't remember anything. You can't remember her, and I can't forget. This house deserves to have its history honoured. Well, I say fiery arguments. Liam Neeson generally goes in more for gloomy earnestness and it seems Michael Richardson is a chip off the old block. So any entertainment offered by Made in Italy is mostly limited to ticking off predictable plot points as they come up. You're an holiday. I'm actually here to sell an old family house. I love that house. You want to buy it? I can only pay you a risotto. How many balls do you want for it? Jack strolls into the village one afternoon where he meets the girl who runs the local cafe. Is her name Sophia or Claudia or Anna Maria? In fact, she's called Natalia, and before you know it, she and Jack are chatting away and inviting each other over for dinner. Why are you selling it? Jack's memories of the house are not so good. I heard about your mother, Jack. I'm sorry. 
A good excuse for a lively Italian party with drinking, spaghetti, and a chance for father and son to illustrate their differences. You know, dad with his old-fashioned attitudes, son with his newfangled smartphone. It's also an opportunity for Liam to show off his legendary comedy skills along the way. Probably on a Tinder date. On a what? Tinder. You know what Tinder is. It's now. You know an app. Yeah, I know what a bloody app is, Jack. Okay, well, Tinder's a sort of dating app. On a computer? No, it's an app. It's on your phone. On your phone? When father and son aren't popping down to the calf and flirting with the locals, they're doing up the house and watching it start to blossom. And because we're still only an hour in, they try and build up a bit of plot about why two blokes are reluctant to share their feelings. What happened to dancing? The well-timed drink? Miracle of a chance encounter. Well, now they've got this algorithm that replaces chance with probability, so you're less likely to be disappointed. Oh, bullshit. Jack, Robert, Kate, Natalia, a house in need of repair, a father and son in need of reconciliation. What could possibly happen, you wonder? I know a film like Made in Italy looks just the sort of film you thought you wanted to see. The trouble is, like rundown villas in Tuscany, they're harder to fix up than they look, and they need a lot more work than this. Everyone lets everyone down at some point. How you come back from that? That's romance. Rough translation. Very doable. Once in a while, a film comes along that's so extraordinary, so off the beaten track that you can only marvel that it got made at all. Citizen Kane, for example. Or the films of Bunuel, David Lynch, Fellini and Bergman. Or a film like Fat Man, which almost defies description. It opens with Santa Claus having a crisis of faith. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've lost my influence. Maybe it's time I retired the coat. It's not Santa as we know him, though. Santa, Chris to his friends, is played by Mel Gibson as a sort of American backwoodsman, grizzled and armed to the teeth. His wife, Ruth, is played by English actress Marianne Jean-Baptiste, last seen in a very peculiar film called In Fabric. Well, if you think that was peculiar... You still have it. Kids with a deer rifle put two holes in the sleigh, one in me. All I have is a loathing for a world that's forgotten. Santa, I mean Chris, is about to have more than a late midlife crisis. He's been making a list and checking it more than twice, and there's a kid called Billy who's definitely not going to make the nice side of the ledger. Taking a tip from European traditions of St Nicholas, when young Billy unwraps his Christmas present, it reveals a lump of coal. What's the job? I'd like you to kill Santa Claus. Billy has access to the services of a hitman, listed in the credits merely as The Skinny Man. Skinny is played by an actor who made his name playing dangerous hillbillies, that name being Walton Goggins. OK, so Mr Skinny takes out a contract on the fat man and heads off to the far north to find Santa's lair. I'm looking for the fat man. You can't be serious. 
This is what people actually think of me. Christmas is a farce. I am a joke. What's the purpose of your visit? Hunting. I'm going to kill some things. Now, things get a little complicated, geographically speaking. While Fat Man allows that the North Pole is technically in Canada, it's loath to actually concede that out loud. Really, it should be in the good old US of A. It's certainly the US government that Santa Claus turns to when his financial difficulties get out of hand. We are fulfilling a two-month contract with the U.S. military. Captain Jacobs will fill you in on a lot of the changes that are going on around here. For your safety, we will be upgrading the site's security. Do you have any questions? Yes. What kind of toys are we making, sir? Not toys, miss. The Pentagon outsources certain contracts to Santa and his elves. And at this stage, my grasp on the world of Santa started to loosen a bit. With Santa and his little helpers supporting the military-industrial complex, who's minding the toy store? Is this the job of big business now? Christmas generates $3 trillion in the U.S. alone. We can't even pay our power bill. You think there's something wrong with that? Oh, is that how we're measuring success now? Well, that's what they care about. They put up with us so they can sell their... Toys and sodas and cars. We're a business. But we really don't have time to sort out which precise Santa mythology we're supposed to be embracing here. We've got a skinny man on the loose getting closer and closer to Santa's village and along the way racking up an alarming body count. I've come for your head, fat man! You think you're the first? You think I got this job because I'm fat and jolly? This is not a concept we're particularly used to, a Christmas Santa movie punctuated by wholesale slaughter. I know some people call the violent Bruce Willis movie Die Hard a Christmas movie, but no one was claiming Bruce was playing Father Christmas. And the big question here is, who on earth is this lunatic concoction aimed at? There is a rising number of our youth making poor decisions. What the big man's head? Severed heads rot, they mold. They don't want his beard. I'm not shaving off a dead man's beard. What child wants to see a tooled-up Santa taking out the trash up against a ruthless serial killer working for a psychopathic ten-year-old? What grown-up wants to see it, for that matter, particularly when Santa's played by an angry, depressed Mel Gibson? Oh, come while you sleep. The fat man's got his eye on you, kid. Hey, whoa! Oh, that's Donner. Lucky it wasn't Blitzer. Should tear your package clean off. Every step of the movie was a step away from anything I wanted to see, and I felt horrified by the psychic harm Fat Man was likely to inflict on the two kids sitting behind me. Fortunately, when the lights came up, they were fast asleep, so no harm done. I might have been better off following their example. And on that tip that sometimes your initial bias is spot on, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.